God wants fruit in our lives, friends. That's why he cursed that fig tree, because in just a, an hour or two, he goes into the temple and does a work there. Further proof of why he cursed the fig tree. As he proceeds to that temple, we look in those verses following there. Same day. He does both of these things on the same day. Now, the disciples didn't realize that the fig tree had withered until the next day. They didn't actually see it wither until the next day. You just have to understand that that's why you have to go by Mark's account. Mark's account is more chronological. In building up the temple, having taught the disciples a lesson, using the fig tree as an example, foliage but no fruit, just like in Matthew chapter 9 and verses 14 to 17, Jesus taught them the parable of the new wine. He said you don't take new wine and put it in old wineskins. Jesus does not invest his power and his Holy Spirit in your traditions or my traditions. Just because we have a building and we call it a church does not mean that the power of God is there. Just because I walk into a garage doesn't make me a car. Just because I go to a church doesn't make me a Christian. In Luke chapter 13 and verses 6 to 10, Jesus tells another story about a man who had a fig tree. He went out one day to look at that fig tree to get some fruit off of it, and there was no fruit there. So he said to his servant, he said, cut that thing down and throw it on the fire. I've heard some people talk about God coming to them that way and saying, I don't find any fruit in you. They feel the awesomeness of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit upon their life and they cry out, Oh God, give me another chance. That's the gist of that parable. You see, it's, it's connected to the, what he did to that fig tree. It's connected. He's saying, Israel, you have no fruit in you. You are dead. I want life. I want sustenance in you. God wants that in us. He wants the living bread to live in us so that we become the living bread to the world out there. He wants fruit in us. John chapter 15, he talked about bearing fruit. But then he goes to the temple. In Mark chapter 11, verses 15 and following, they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves? The scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, You are the temple. But let me explain to you a little bit of background because some people have misinterpreted this scripture. The things that were in the temple, the animals and so on and so forth, were there so that the people traveling great distances could purchase a dove or a lamb for sacrifice in the temple during the sacrifices. Obviously, they couldn't bring these things with them always. Now, they were never intended to be in the temple. It was okay for them to be outside the temple. But now they'd brought all these animals and all this stuff into the temple. All these animals bleating, sheep bleating, and doves cooing or whatever doves do. It was chaos. And on top of that, they charged exorbitant prices for these animals. The Pharisees were getting fat off of the money they made off of these animals. Jesus saw it. This is the second time he's cleansed this temple. Don't you suppose that when he walks in this time, he came in yesterday, the Bible says, and he looked round about and he left. A look from Jesus could bring the greatest source of comfort, cheer, or the greatest fear. 
And I have a feeling that the, that the Pharisees and the chief priests, when Jesus came in that day before, and he looked around and surveyed it, they said, oh no, what's he going to do this time? And he walked out. But on the morrow when he came, he come with a whip. And he drove them out and he cleaned up that temple. Now there are some folks who believe that you shouldn't eat in church. Well, I don't want you to eat in the sanctuary either. But I don't think there's anything wrong with eating in a fellowship hall. I'd much rather you eat in the fellowship hall than fight. And so many of those who don't believe in eating in the fellowship hall are good at fighting. Say amen or oh me. Hallelujah. You may have a belief about that and that's okay. I know some folks that are very, very dogmatic about it. Cleansing the temple doesn't have a thing to do with selling records in the foyer or eating in the fellowship hall. But it has a whole lot to do, as you're going to see, with your life because you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Cleansing of the temple don't have a thing to do with this building this morning. It has everything to do with your life because according to 1 Corinthians 3.16, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 2.20 and 22, the church, the body of Christ, the people are the temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost and you are bought with a price. You are not your own. So glorify God in your body, which is Christ. 